Welcome to the Spark Youth Podcast. Spark is the youth ministry of the Enfield and Strathfield Anglican Church. Our mission is to gather to hear God's word, to grow in Christ's likeness, and to go in prayerful proclamation. To find out more about us, you can go to our website at fields.org.au forward slash spark, or you can find us on our Instagram page at instagram.com forward slash youth underscore of underscore spark. So essentially, Jesus Club uh, has been around for about 15 years. Um, We have planted uh, Jesus Clubs in several churches around Sydney, um, but more recently, uh, kind of since I've come on board about three years ago, uh, we are expanding out. We've got a club starting in Melbourne. Uh, We've got one that just started in Albury and another one that just started in Tamworth. Um, and what we, I guess, have is a, uh, a proven system that works, um, to do for churches to do, uh, ministry or ID is the short term that we use for intellectual disability. Uh, we, what we found is that many churches want to do ministry with all sorts of people, including people that have intellectual disabilities or ID. Um, but it can be daunting because it's like, well, where do we start? What do we do? Um, but we've, you know, a lot of love and patience and, uh, and certainly as- assistance that Jesus Club can provide. Um, many churches have already found success in running um, their own ministry. Um, we're a pretty, we, we keep in pretty close contact with our churches. We have about 20 or so churches running a Jesus Club program. Um, and I guess ultimately our hope is to see the culture of churches change so that reaching out to people with ID um, will be as common as running a youth group in the future. Um, we ultimately at Jesus Club, we help the local church do the one-to-one evangelism uh, with people with intellectual disabilities. Um, I guess essentially Jesus Club, uh, the group I work with is Jesus Club Community or Jesus Club, the central organisation. We help churches start a Jesus Club or start their own ministry to people with intellectual disabilities, um, with adults with, um, when I say adults, sometimes that's like 15 and up. Um, And then each church... uh, runs their own ministry so it's not a franchise um your church can adapt our way to do it your way um the same as you might you know purchase uh youth group material off say youth works um you're not owned or you're not controlled by youth works but you're using their material and you pick and choose how how you'll do it so that's how it works um my role at jesus club uh, it wasn't started by me. It was started by a lady, Mel Fung, um, and she's moved on to some other things. Um, but uh, she has such a passion for adults and people with ID. Uh, and they brought me in because of my um, business background. Um, and so I guess I'm very good with uh, like systems and operations. Uh, plus, I knew a lot about fundraising and um, a little bit about how to kind of, uh, you know, how to grow ministries and uh, and especially ministries that are essentially primarily volunteer-based. Um, primarily, I guess what the, the, the most important thing about Jesus Club is that uh, we're a gospel mission. Uh, while Jesus Club is certainly a social um, group and certainly a great link into the community, our prime aim is to make Jesus Christ known to people with intellectual disabilities so that they can enjoy friendship with God forever. Uh, And essentially we do two things. We help churches start intellectual disability ministries, and then we continue to support them with uh, training. We have an annual conference and other training programs um, throughout the year. Um, So that is... Uh, Jesus Club in a nutshell. 
Um, what I might do is start just talking about a couple of points that I've got, uh, and I will be conscious to leave some time for some questions um, at the end. Um, ultimately, we're, we're gospel focused because we believe that we are all made in God's image. And as Christians, we, we know that, we say that, we read it in the Bible, uh, but um, it's another thing to take a step and say, well, we're all made in God's image, even those people with severe physical or intellectual disabilities. So that's uh, a, something to chew on. Uh, one interesting thing that we've learned running Jesus clubs and helping churches start them, um, it's very much a community feel. So a lot of the stuff that um, we have, a lot of the resources that we have actually come from the churches running these Jesus club programs. So it kind of comes from the ground up and then we go, oh, okay, club over at Chatswood uh, has a great way of doing things let's document that and work it you know work it out into a template so that other clubs can use it um but one of the things that we have learned is that most people and and it's an important thing to know about people with and without uh, an intellectual disability is that um most people with an intellectual disability uh, are actually incapable of thinking in abstract concepts. So they can only think in concrete terms. Um, so for you and I, let's say, uh, we, we are generally abstract thinkers, most, most people are. Um, and that means that we can think abstractly um, we, can we can understand and comprehend when Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Um, but uh, And we are capable of thinking like a concrete thinker, but it doesn't work the other way around. People who are concrete thinkers, and that is most people with intellectual disabilities, they can only think in a concrete way. So what's an example of that? Um, well, looking at the Bible uh, or Christian talk, um, salvation is an abstract concept. So it's something that we talk about readily in churches and in Bible studies, but it's a very hard, if we start to explain salvation, well, we, we start doing PhDs on it. Um, and what we found is that Adults in particular or people with intellectual disabilities can't understand concepts, uh, particularly ones like salvation. So we don't talk about salvation in our material or even in our vision statement. Instead of salvation, we talk about being friends with God forever or friends with Jesus forever. Um, because somebody who's a concrete thinker, uh, you know, uh, sees things very black and white, can say, um, oh, okay, well, I, I know I'm friends with Tom here. And, oh, okay, so Tom and Jesus are different. We would say Jesus is the king of the world. Um, but what you're teaching me is that Tom is my friend. And even though Jesus is the king of the world, I can be friends with Jesus. Jesus can be my friend. And not only can I be friends with Jesus like I'm friends with Tom, but uh, I can be friends with Jesus forever, even after I, I you know, leave this body. Um, so that's kind of a quick example of abstract thinking and abstract words versus concrete words and thinking. Uh, another very useful thing is uh, what we call a concept staircase. Um, I guess in... Uh, Evan, um, you know, evangelism, I guess, terms, you could even call it a gospel uh, staircase, um, where if you can picture a staircase, it might have seven stairs and lead, it leads up to a concept. Um, what we have to do with people with ID 
is we have to actually start on stair one and we can't skip stairs three and four, even if we think, oh yeah, they've gotten, they've gotten the concept of stair one, stair two and stair three. So we're gonna just jump to stair seven. It doesn't work like that when you're trying to communicate and particularly trying to communicate uh, you know, the life-saving message of Jesus Christ to adults with ID. Um, so for example, and I'll use a similar one uh, that I just said, you might take the concept that um, Jesus loves everyone. That's actually quite a large concept because it, it's a little abstract. Uh, it's going, Jesus loves everyone. Well, what, who's everyone? What does that mean? So what we start with is Jesus loves you. And that might be step number one in the concept staircase. And do you understand, you know, Jesus loves you? Oh, yes. And do you understand Jesus loves me? That could be step number two. Oh, sure. Well, if Jesus loves me and you're teaching me about Jesus, I guess, yeah, Jesus loves you and me. And do you think maybe on step number three, we could look around our group and we could agree that Jesus loves everybody in the room. So that could be step number three, step number four. Well, this, the people in this room are part of a church and there's actually a lot more people in the church than there are in this room. So Jesus loves everybody in the church. Anyway, so on and so forth. And we, get, we, we keep going up the staircase, I guess, uh, as far as we want to. And, and we say that, well, Jesus loves not just everybody in this church, but everybody in all the churches in Sydney. Oh, well, that's actually a lot of people. But now I can understand that because I started with Jesus loves me and you and everybody in this room. And then we could continue on past that to Jesus loves everybody in all the cities of Australia and all the countries in the world. Therefore, Jesus loves everybody. So that's a concept staircase. Uh, so that's two things I've discussed, the abstract versus concrete thinking and the language that we use. And secondly, the concept staircase. Um, thirdly, what, I, what we often do these days in our Jesus clubs is develop a word bank, maybe just nine words that we will use when we uh, are discussing a certain topic or a certain uh, module. Jesus Club has all these, uh, I don't know, we have about a uh, hundred different Bible lessons that all come with craft activities and worksheets and a leader's guide and et cetera, et cetera. Um, and what we have done with the more recent ones is incorporate word banks into that. Um, this idea is part of uh, an important understanding when you're communicating to people with ID, and that is that they like and benefit from repetition. Um, so when we, we use certain, we might choose certain words, and we will take time to explain those, let's say nine words, it could be any number, but not 50. Um, we take time to explain what those words are. And we purposely, when we're meeting one-on-one -on -one or at your church in a small group or at a Jesus club, or say even in a sermon, uh, and you've, you know you have people with intellectual disability there, you might choose uh, nine words, for example, uh, that you would always use in your sermon or in your Bible study or in your Jesus Club meeting, um, and you use those words at every occasion. Um, and that way, the people with ID are become familiar with those words because you're repeating them so often and um yeah and 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 they actually not only have a 
an understanding of what those words mean, but because they're hearing them so often, the message actually uh, begins to sink in. Um, we do the same kind of repetition uh, strategy with um, our songs and memory verses. So say we, most of our Jesus Club modules, um, uh, like we've got one on Jesus parables. So there, there's five different, there's five lessons in that, each one on a different parable, but we only will use one memory verse for those five weeks, or it might be five, you know, uh, 10 weeks if you're doing it fortnightly. Um, so we only use the one memory verse and we only, oh, we don't only sing one song, but we always sing uh, the same one song plus others. Um, and the reason for this is again, that, that repetition, uh, which reinforces the concepts that we're trying to present um, into their minds. I mean, you know, that sort of thing is good for my mind as well, frankly. Um, when I listen to a sermon series and uh, like at the moment at my church, we're going through the gospel of John and uh, I'm starting to go, oh, okay, right. So John is essentially saying the same thing many, many times throughout, throughout his gospel and the concepts start to sink in. Um, and, and a couple of other things uh, that will make it easy and I guess less awkward uh, when you start to communicate with people with ID or other disabilities. Uh, one concept is person first language. So this is ultimately um, putting the, the person, uh, which we all are, first before the disability. So they are not an autistic person. They are a person with autism. Um, they're not a wheelchair user. They are a person who uses a wheelchair uh, and so on and so forth. So person first language, I think, is a very important thing. Um, it can take you a while to get right. And that's OK. We always say when people start a disability ministry, look, it's OK if you get it wrong. And often the people that you are working with the people with id in your church will be you know <laughs> will be um surprisingly patient uh with your errors um the other point on that is uh, a person with um autism let's say they might say oh no i'm an autistic person and that's okay because they are a person with autism and they have the freedom to say that um, because it's what they have. But we who don't have it, we would say, uh, oh, yes, this is uh, Tom and he's a person with autism. Um, and probably disability etiquette um, is another thing that's good to talk about. I'm just going to have a look at some of my notes here. Um, oh yeah, sorry. And on person, on person first language, we also want to avoid things like saying that people are suffering from something. Um, yeah. So, so instead of saying they're suffering from dementia, they're not, they, they might not feel that way. So we just say a person with dementia or a person living with dementia. Um, and going into this uh, disability etiquette uh, topic, we also want, don't want to refer to somebody who uses a wheelchair um, as a, um, oh, well, sorry, we do want to refer to somebody who uses a wheelchair as a wheelchair user. Um, and often people in a wheelchair uh, it's actually a sign of freedom for people who have never, who, who maybe for years have not been able to get around, 
Not everybody in a wheelchair feels like that. Um, but we want to avoid referring to somebody as wheelchair bound um, because they might actually see their wheelchair as something that's giving them freedom, not something that's binding them. Um, disability etiquette. Um, I might actually uh, flick through on the chat um, a, a good video. We won't watch it now, but it's, um, it's a, a humorous video uh, by a wheelchair user that's, um, you know, quite pointed. Um, ultimately, we want to speak to, when we're speaking to somebody with a disability, we want to speak directly uh, to um, those people as much as possible, um, rather than their parent or carer, or rather than an adult, or, you know, an, so, you know somebody like that. Um, also, it takes a bit of uh, quietness uh, for somebody who, like me who loves to chat uh, and who, who gets frustrated when, uh, you know, when, when somebody is, is talking and, and I already know what they're going to say and I like to jump in and, and finish their sentence for them if they're taking too long. We don't want to do that, but we don't want to do that generally, but we certainly don't want to do that with uh, when we're talking with adults with intellectual disability. We have to be more, more considerate because uh, those people will often take extra time to do or to say something. So we need to be patient and go along with the person's pace. Um, also things like, Somebody, if somebody is using a wheelchair, um, don't grab hold of the um, the handles and take them off somewhere without their permission. Um, I'm not going to pick you up and carry you off over my shoulder. Uh, I'm not as strong as I used to be for a start, but I'm not going to pick you up and carry you over my shoulder and put you somewhere else because you might be in the way or because I think you'll have a better view over here without asking you. Um, the same thing with, pe with people without uh, a wheelchair. Uh, we don't wanna just take them by their arm and lead and relocate them, um, which might be the case of somebody with low vision or, or somebody who is blind. Um, we wanna ask their permission. Oh, Darren, a friend of mine, Darren, would, uh, would you like uh, me to, would you like a hand getting over to the front? Oh, oh yeah, I would, Josh. Oh, do you mind if I take your arm? Uh, oh, yeah, that'd be good, actually. And off we go. Um, we seek their permission. Um, and, and I guess that leads me to uh, one of the key things about Jesus Club is when we run a Jesus Club at a church, not every Jesus Club is called a Jesus Club, but that is, it is the name that makes sense to the members of the clubs, um, is that where it's a club for adults or maybe older teens. And ultimately that means that even though I might be a leader and I don't have an intellectual disability and other people in the room do have intellectual disabilities and we understand things differently, um, that we're all adults and that makes us all peers. Um, adults, the joy of being an adult is we get to do whatever we want to do, ultimately. Obviously there's consequences, but we have to treat adults with ID as equals, giving them choices about food, how much food to eat, when they want to go to the bathroom and things like that. Uh, also, if we are running a Jesus club or some form of disability ministry, the leaders should not go off and talk to one another separate to the members, say, during the supper time. We should uh, be befriend people and even form a real level of friendship with people who think differently to us, people that see uh, the world differently to us. Uh, I mean, if you think about it this way, I, I know a guy, um, Edwin, Edwin Judge, 
who is a um, like a, the professor or, or he's the, the former professor of history at Macquarie Uni. I've had several chats to him. He blows my mind every time. He's just super knowledgeable, super intelligent. And I find that sometimes I'll ask Ed a question and he realizes that he's not making sense to me. He's talking at too much of a high level. And ultimately, he brings it down a level for me. And he says, oh, well, think of it like this way, Josh. And I'm like, oh, oh, okay, right. Now I understand. Um, we're not dumbing it down for people with ID, but we are learning ways to communicate, particularly the gospel message, uh, to them in ways that they can understand. Um, and, I, and again, I guess that brings me full circle back to what I started with, that we are all made in God's image. And that means that we are all sinful, that we all need to hear and have an opportunity to understand the salvation message of Jesus Christ. And we all need to have an opportunity to to accept that salvation, or like we would say at Jesus Club, the opportunity to become friends with Jesus forever. Well, that's probably all I had prepared to say. Uh, is there any questions uh, that people have? Oh, yeah, sorry, I just had a quick question about the, the concept staircase. So, how would you apply that staircase when teaching a book of the Bible that's just inherently abstract? So, mm. for example, we're going through the book of Zechariah, and I think Zechariah is just a very complicated book, number one, because it requires you to have a vast understanding of Israelite history. Otherwise, it doesn't really make sense. Mm. Number two, the book is just filled with a lot of obscure visions that Zechariah has that are very indirect and not very concrete. Mm. But what, what would be the stepping stones in teaching something that complicated? Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I probably wouldn't start there, um, but I, 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 I obviously, you know, that I'm sure you wouldn't um, start on that one either. Um, but I would probably focus on um, the concepts within that. And I guess looking at it through uh, looking at the book of Zechariah through Christian eyes, it's like, what does this book actually teach us about um, Christ? How does this Old Testament book actually point us to Jesus? Um, and, uh, and probably build several concept st staircases uh, from that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I would probably have to revise the book of Zechariah myself um, to think about that one more. We do have, I think, a 36-part uh, module on the book of Daniel, which also has some pretty abstract imagery. Um, certainly one thing that we would do when we're looking at a parable or some imagery in the Bible is to, um, yeah, maybe look at explaining it by looking at similar things. Um, if there's an imagery of a dragon, we can say, you know, do you know what a dragon is? Um, is it a dragon could be like a dinosaur? Who's seen a dinosaur? Um, you know, a, a, a dragon could be like an elephant. That's a, a big animal. Um, but this dragon is talking about a dragon, you know, with a human face or, um, or four human faces. I'm thinking of Ezekiel now, but um, what, does each of those faces mean? Um, can you make a happy face? Can you make a sad face? Can you make an angry face? Uh, we would probably look at something along those lines. Um, so probably a whole book of the Bible is a big, that's a big meal, maybe several meals to digest for anybody. 
Um, but I think with somebody with an intellectual disability, we can pull out components of the book um, and also actually go, well, what's the what's actually the purpose? Why did the author write this book? What does it mean? And what does it mean to us today on, on this side of, of Jesus Christ? Hopefully that uh, answered your question somewhat. Yes, thank you. Any other questions? Uh, yeah, I have one. Um, I guess, how do we minister to a youth with autism within like a group setting? Like say if we have um, someone with autism in our group, in our youth pack with a bunch of kids, other kids, um, and they can't follow along as well, would it have to be structured for them or would they have to be like kind of individually um, kind of ministered to or mm. to look after someone with um, autism? And yeah, basically I did kids church with him and it always felt like he was very, was very one-to-one, -one. even though he was in the same group, it was very one-to-one. -one. And I don't know if he felt, I think he felt that he wasn't really participating with everyone. So it was hard for him to like kind of get along or like kind of even want to participate in anything. How old is the person? Um, he, at the time, he was year five and six. Uh, right. Okay, so that's that's fairly young. Yeah. So it's about eleven or twelve. Yeah, he's around year eight or nine now, but he hasn't come to church. Mm. Well, um, yeah. Look, a couple of things. Um, like because because of the verbal nature of a normal church's activities, uh, you know, sermon, song, prayer, Bible reading, it can be quite cognitively inaccessible for people with ID, um, and it's especially true outside of a one-to-one -one setting. So, I'd probably say a bit of a bit of both. Um, sometimes the one-on-one -on -one settings can be good. The same as, uh, you know, a church service might be good, but more discussion can happen in a smaller Bible study group. And sometimes with certain people, you need to take them out for a coffee and, and have more of a one-to-one -one -one chat. Um, so it can be a bit of everything. Uh, the, on the, a, a cautionary, however, though, on that one is that um, we we do want to be inclusive, uh, uh, not inclusive the way that um, sometimes that, that word uh, has a bad reaction with people, um, uh, especially if we're working in Christian schools and, and you know, different workplaces and stuff, um, because often the term inclusive has, is one of these words that have become weaponized, uh, especially in the lead up to Saturday. However, we're talking about uh, being inclusive, incorporating adults with intellectual disabilities into our church um, services. And I think that's still an appropriate word for us to use when we're talking about this. Um, so we don't, we don't want to, all, we, we don't all the time want to have people um, taken aside and be taught or ministered to separately because we do want people with say autism to develop relationships with children or adults or teens who don't have autism um, and we want to encourage children and adults and teens who don't have autism uh, to uh, develop friendships and learn to communicate with people that do um, you know, um, so uh, I think there's probably, there's act, we actually have a lot of this in our Jesus Club training. Like we have a 60 page training manual 
um, which covers a lot of things. But one of those things, just quickly tonight, is that um, sometimes a room full of kids or adults or teens, especially, um, is really loud. Um, and one thing particular to people with autism is the sens sensory uh, awareness is uh, a lot more sensitive than yours or mine might be. Um, so sometimes they won't cope very well if it's loud and noisy and playing games all night long. Uh, and they might not want to participate in that. And you or a leader might actually say, oh, hey, did you want to go and sit somewhere quieter with me until this game's over? Um, but then when it's time for the discussion or the teaching or the, the singing, they might be more inclined to come back into that group because it's not so loud. Um, and, and also, this kind of goes with the repetition um, uh, kind of concept um, and reinforcement is that you want to be very clear with um, what's going on. So if I've got extra sensory awareness, like somebody with autism, and I go in and not only is it too loud or maybe too bright, um, maybe there's too many lights on, um, there's too much going on, there's too much movement, the volume on the speaker is up too loud for me. Um, not only that, but I, I'm overwhelmed because there's just too much going on and I don't know what's happening at this meeting tonight. So to actually say, now this is what we're doing and to be very specific and clear about it. So after you do the song, you go, okay, we've had this teaching and we've had the song. Now we're going to do some, we're breaking into small groups and we're going to look at the worksheet that we have. So I guess keep on um, repeating what you're actually doing and when the evening will be over. Um, if if people uh, want to wear earmuffs, then let them. If they want to sit down and, you know, just watch things going on, then let them. Um, if they want to join in and participate in the group, then let them as well. Um, there are many different types of intellectual disability. Autism is, is one and it's a broad one now. Um, but there are people with other intellectual disabilities who will love to throw a ball around the room and in fact, be noisy all night. Um, and this is, uh, extra, an extra answer, double bonus to your, uh, question there, but just while I think of it, um, it's, it's, it's a, a great opportunity for a church to not only connect with people with ID, but to connect with their parents and their siblings and their carers. Because often, uh, especially the parents, um, a, lo a lot of them have gone through a form of grieving when they discover that their child was either born with or has developed some form of ID. And it's not that they don't love the child anymore, but um, they do sort of go, oh, okay, well, this means he can't ever become such and such, or he won't be able to do this or, and so on and so forth. Um, so a lot of the parents are, they do have a sense of grieving. Um, a lot of them are exhausted. A lot of them have run out of money <laughs> because it's expensive to have a, child with a disability. Um, look, what I'm saying is a lot of the parents need ministering to. Um, and so it's not unthinkable to uh, invite those parents in the same as, you know, a kid's ministry brings in parents. Every church knows that. Um, but it can work in a similar way where you're at, you actually start ministering to these parents and even the carers 
um, and other relatives who come along with the person with ID. Um, yeah, because a lot of them really do need to be loved and, and hear the gospel message as well. For example, somebody on our committee, um, she has a child with severe intellectual disability. And um, from the moment he was born, uh, he was, uh, he's never really been verbal and still isn't. And now he's an adult. And they went through attempts at going back to their church. But as the child grew up, um, he was just would stand up and start just shouting or screaming in the middle of a church service. And I, I, I do reiterate that not everyone is like that. He does have a severe intellectual disability. Um, anyway, he actually does quite well in the Newtown uh, Jesus Club. But um, my point of that is that my friend on the committee uh, told me once that um, she felt isolated. Um, she, she was stuck at home. She could, shouldn't, couldn't go out to the shop. She couldn't go to church. She couldn't have people over for dinner. She couldn't go over to people's houses for dinner. She couldn't have really any contact with friends. She couldn't even have phone calls because the, the, the disruptive child was there all the time. She couldn't work. And uh, she said to me that at one point, she had honestly concluded, and she's a loving Christian lady, but she had honestly had to come to the conclusion in herself that her child was unlovable by anybody else. Um, so this is what some of the parents of people with ID go through. Um, some, of it, some of them are really hurting. Mm. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, and that's, that's true of like the family that we have that's joined our church. And I know that the parents, particularly one of them is still grieving and that, that has come up a few times since they've joined our church. Um, and one, because one parent has been more involved in the um, development and, and the psychologist and the speech pathologist and all this stuff, whereas the other parent hasn't. So when they sense that the child is not has, isn't able to function in the community in the way that he would like her to. He he kind of goes through the grieving process, and then they have conflict because she's seen a little development, whereas he hasn't. He kind of forgets the, the little developments that have led to where she's at today. Anyway, so I'm just saying we we have that a similar situation here. Um, so it's really helpful. Um, I've got a couple of quick questions, but I'm aware it's 7.20, so I wanted to know if you had time for them or if you need to go. Yeah, 10 minutes. 10 minutes? Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, my, my, my kind of questions are sort of, uh, yeah, a little bit what, I, what I've experienced um, with having someone with ID is at our youth group uh, is just personally, and maybe this applies to other people, um, how to um, just relate um, in a meaningful way because I find it quite awkward because um, I don't really know what to do because I'll often go and say hello to this person um, and they kind of won't say, say anything or they'll look away. And I don't know if I should yeah, insist like, or just like continue to have a conversation or walk away and I don't want to be unloving. Um, that's, that's my first question. Do you, want me to, do you want to stop there and discuss that or do you want me to raise the other two? Uh, no, uh, I'll comment on that. Um, yeah, uh, I mean, I, I did touch on it previously that sometimes you have to give uh, people with ID much longer to respond. Um, uh, and also, I, I guess, um, I mean, first uh, have an awareness of whether this these people are verbal or, or non-verbal uh there's a lady at um uh, my church uh and she uh is not non-verbal but yeah she doesn't she doesn't say much um so i'm sort of picturing her when you're you're saying this um 
but uh, the other day um, I had a, a, a Snugglepot and uh, what are they, you know, the May Gibbs characters uh, shirt on. Um, and I noticed that, um, that Leanne had, had it on as well. And so she's always with her mum. But I said, oh, hi, Leanne. And she looks up at me and, uh, and she, I'm sure she didn't really remember who I was, but you don't know. And I said, oh, look, we've got the same shirt on. It wasn't the same shirt, but I said, it's May Gibbs, you know, snuggle pot and cuddle pie. That's it. Um, and she sort of just, yeah, gave me a, a bit of a smile and, and then walked away. So sometimes it's, um, it's like that, but her mum also was there and her mum might've said, oh, hey, you know, do you, you remember Josh or whatever? Um, yeah, so look, it can be awkward, but I would say, you know, be persistent without being aggressive um, to, to continue to be that, that face of Jesus, um, to continue to, uh, you know, to, to point out, you know, the man born blind and, and go and, 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 and spend some time with them. Um, uh, and, um, and, and sometimes over time, you, you can actually start to get more out of people. Um, there's another guy, Mikey, who doesn't go to our church. We're not yet anyway, but he often walks up my street. Um, and I, I am I became Facebook friends uh, with his carer uh, and I know that he walks up and down my street every Thursday at about lunchtime so his carer now messages me and if I'm home and if I'm available uh, I'll go out and have a chat uh, and I've given him like an accessible bible and you know think things like that so we, we've we've had a bit of a witnessing as well um, and, and he often walks away and I, I hear him because they have no, sometimes there's no inhibitions. Um, and, uh, and Mikey will often say to his carer, oh, he's a, he's a nice man, isn't he? Um, so, so I guess uh, another thing in, in answer to that is that you don't know what's going on in their heads um, and they might be coming to church uh, and really looking forward to the time that you say hello to them. Um, and uh, yeah, and maybe it's just more you talking and, uh, and maybe instead of, you, you know, like instead of giving them an open-ended, uh, an open answer, which is not a yes or no um, answer, a, a question, which where, where you're trying to avoid somebody just saying yes or no, maybe actually ask them a closed question so that they can at least say yes or no or, or nod their head. That's really helpful. Thank you. And um, another thing is in that, in that dynamic is her, her sister um, comes along to youth group with her and um, from a young age, she's taken on a lot of responsibility so that I think she overfunctions and has high anxiety. Um, and so I, um, so what I notice is, for example, in the talk on Friday at youth group, um, she was making a fair bit of noise um, during the talk. And then I saw, I could see that she was looking at her and getting uh, a bit anxious and frustrated. And then I saw her go to her phone. And generally what I understand um, is that she'll then text her mum saying something about the situation's not working here. Um, this yeah. is the sister? Yeah, the younger sister who's in year seven. Mm. Uh, and, and yeah. And I'm not sure if the mum, because, you know, of whatever dynamic, like, I'm, I, I just don't know how the mum, if the mum sees that as, you know, like, taking on too much responsibility or whether like they've just adapted in their, their own way to that being a normal thing and an okay thing. And mm. like, what can we do to care for the sister who's got all that anxiety? And mm. is, yeah, that's a yeah, well, I suppose the first thing that just comes to my mind is, is to, um, uh, yeah, is just to, to talk to the, 
the younger sister and say, um, oh, hey, you know, it's really great that you, you're looking after your, your older sister. Um, uh, and, you know, I guess sort of, um, you know, I mean, you know, if she's fairly young, you know, it's probably a bit early to have the say, hey, you know, you're not the mum, you know, conversation. Uh, but that's kind of what what it is. It's like, you know, you're, you're not actually responsible, you know, for your sister, but it, it's good that you love her and, and care for her. Um, apart from that, I, I think it's probably, as far as caring for the younger sister is, is to say, well, um, oh, hey, um, uh, I've noticed that your sister sometimes gets um, a bit distracted or, or upset. Um, what what things should should we be doing? You know, like can can you tell us what we should be doing um, when she when she gets upset or when she starts to make a bit of noise? Um, like maybe the sister, you could ask her. Like, do, do you know um, w- like what causes that? Like, is it something that we've said? And she might go, oh yeah, she hates singing. It might not be that, but for example. Um, and you go, oh, oh, okay. Um, so maybe there's some things that you can learn from the, the sister. And I guess if you can find out what the sister knows and when, like what things are triggering the sister's actions to text the parents uh, and you go, oh, okay. Well, when that happens, we, we'll try to do that if that's okay. Um, and maybe you can tell us if we're doing a good job of it or not perhaps something like that will actually relieve some of the burden off, off the younger sister. That's helpful. Yeah. Thank you very much. Um, I'll leave my third question for Julia later because she's going to share. Um, Yeah. um, We've got two minutes. Does anyone else have any last questions? well, I think, yeah, I, I think, you know, we've we've run out of time and you've been fantastic and thank you so much for being so generous, knowing that you've got a Bible study to, to get to and everything. So, um, yeah, we really appreciate your time and I've learned a lot and, um, yeah, I hope, hope that we can be better equipped as a result. So for now and for the future, yeah, thank you. <laughs>